This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Coming up on today's show, the federal government with an announcement today as Omicron sweeps across Canada. We'll also take a look at the year of 2021 in politics. We'll chat with Dr. Lisa Young about that. And with new restrictions and changes and perhaps more on the way, we'll see what's going on in Canada's small businesses with Dan Kelly, the President and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. So as cases of COVID-19, Omicron specifically, continue their upswing across Canada, the Prime Minister, the Finance Minister, Canada's top doctors, the Health Minister, the Employment Minister are all speaking this morning, talking about where we stand, where we're going and what we might need to do. Let's listen in. Here's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning, everyone. We're joined virtually by Ministers Freeland, Qualtrough, Duclos, as well as Dr. Tam and Dr. New. We're here today to talk about what we're doing to support workers and businesses and keep people safe. Before I get started, I just spoke with the two new leaders of Chile and Germany, both progressive leaders, where we talked about ch climate change, growing the middle class, trade and youth, protecting democracy, and of course, how we're all going to work together to get through this COVID pandemic. A quelques jours de Noël, je sais que beaucoup sont inquiets. Comme depuis le début de la pandémie, on sera là pour vous. Aujourd'hui, on adapte nos mesures de soutien pour s'assurer que personne soit laissé pour compte. We made a promise at the beginning of the pandemic to have everyone's backs, as long as it took, as much as it took. That was the right thing, not just to help minimize the impact of the health crisis, but also to ensure that our economy uh, could handle the shocks that this crisis is facing. And that's unfortunately uh, what we're gonna be continuing to do right now. I say unfortunately, because of course, nobody wants to be in the middle of an Omicron wave right now, but we are. So we are announcing today that we're temporary, temporarily expanding eligibility for key programs. For the Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit, and the local lockdown program, you'll be able to apply if you're subject to capacity limiting restrictions. The Deputy Prime Minister will have the details, but here's the bottom line. We need to, all of us, do what it takes to so Canadians are protected and to have what you need to weather the storm. We're gonna be there for the hard hit regions, for specific sectors like art and culture, hospitality and tourism. We will be there to keep you and your family safe. We're going to continue to work closely with the provinces and territories, but we will be there with supports for the areas that need it. Our priority is for hospitals not to be overwhelmed. Over 80% of Canadians are fully vaccinated. 
So you have done the right thing, and your efforts are helping. Those of you who are not yet vaccinated, please be vaccinated. And also know that we have enough booster shots for all eligible Canadians. So please make your appointment when it is your turn. We know that these booster shots will help. enough in the country uh, for everyone who needs it. Uh, so please go get those booster shots. They give you extra protection against Omicron uh, and in keeping us all safe. Uh, pediatric vaccines continue to roll out, get our kids vaccinated as well. Uh, it's going to be really, really important that we do everything we can uh, to get through this. We know that rapid tests are part of the solution as well. We've delivered Uh, about 85 million rapid tests up until the month of December to provinces and territories. Just this month in December, we're delivering about 35 million rapid tests to provinces and territories. And we've got tens and tens of millions uh, more rapid tests arriving in the coming weeks uh, into the new year. Uh, so provinces and territories uh, will have the supplies necessary to get them into people's hands. We need to follow public health guidelines to keep loved ones safe and to support our healthcare workers. I know people are tired. People don't want to be in this Omicron situation. I get it. None of us want to be here. We're tired of COVID. We want it to just go away, but we know it's not going to just go away unless we all do our part. Particularly when you think of how tired you are, how weary you are, of having to deal with this COVID crisis that continues to go on and on and on, know that there are people more tired than you. Know that our healthcare workers haven't had much of a break over the past two years, that they've been going flat out, keeping people safe, working in long-term care homes, working in hospitals and clinics, administering vaccines and boosters. Our frontline health workers have been extraordinary heroes. They have been there for us every step of the way. And now we need to be there for them. We need to prevent Omicron from overwhelming our healthcare systems. In order to do that, we have to keep contacts low. We have to make choices that are going to keep us and our families safe because Omicron is out there. And the way we show our support for those people who've been keeping us safe is by making sure they don't get overloaded this winter. We know this variant is spreading very quickly around the world, around the country, and indeed uh, around our own uh, communities and offices. My office is not immune. Uh, we have uh, three members of my staff and three members of my security detail who've tested positive. They're following all public health guidance. So am I, uh, and so must we all. But it's a reminder that the virus is all around us. It's very much a threat. We have to keep our guard up. À Noël, je sais qu'il y a des gens qui vont pas pouvoir se rassembler comme ils l'auraient voulu. Hâte de passer du temps de qualité avec ma famille proche, mais il y aura pas de parties ou de rassemblements. Close loved ones, but there will not be any parties or gatherings, and this is a reality we all are facing. We know what works. Canadians have shown over the past two years 
that we're able to step up for each other, that we are there for each other. We know what to do. We know how to wear masks. We know how to keep our distances. We know how to reduce our contact numbers. And if we do that well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a better winter and especially a better spring than otherwise. I know nobody wants to be in this situation right now, but Canadians have shown that we're there for our neighbors. We're there for our most vulnerable. We're there uh, for our frontline health workers. We have vaccines. We have PPE. We have rapid tests. We know what to do. We're going to do it. Because that's who we are as Canadians. We stick up for each other. We make those tough choices to keep each other safe. And we know that as long and dark as winters can be, spring is coming and spring will be better if we hunker down in the coming weeks. Merci beaucoup, mes chers Thank amis. Je passe maintenant la parole à la vice-première ministre. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, kicking off the announcement in Ottawa, and uh, he's telling us that he's temporarily expanding eligibility for some of the key programs. The Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit, the local lockdown program, you can apply if you are subject to capacity-limiting restrictions. Okay, so we know that some provinces are bringing in capacity limits, uh, some restrictions. The Prime Minister, as he's been saying for weeks now, we've got your back, and that was his message. The programs will be there for anybody that lives in a province where some of these restrictions are being brought in. As we heard, uh, Finance Minister Christian Freeland, uh, due to talk more about that, we need to squeeze in a quick break. We'll hear from Minister Freeland when we come back. Federal government announcing that they are expanding some key programs as we deal with the Omicron wave. The Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit has been expanded. Uh, so if you work in a workplace that has been subject to a capacity limit restriction of 50% or more, you now qualify for that. Um, and that's up to $300 a week, lasts until May. The expanded eligibility, though, only lasts until February 12th. Prime Minister saying he thinks this wave will be short-lived uh, compared to the other ones, and we should be out of this by the spring. Now speaking, we have Finance Minister Christia Freeland. Let's listen to her. Thank you, Prime Minister. Good day, everyone. In the past few days, we have observed an increase in cases of COVID-19. Certain regions of the country are reporting record numbers of cases. The Omicron variant of the virus is much more easily transmitted than the others. And we cannot be complacent. Since the beginning of the pandemic, we have endeavored to be flexible and to adapt to the changing nature of the pandemic. Within our programs, we are ensuring to plan for the necessary leeway so that we may react rapidly and effectively. Last week, we saw Bill C-2 adopted. This law made it possible to put in place targeted measures to support workers and companies if lockdowns became necessary to contain the spread of the virus. During the month of October, when we introduced these more targeted measures, we did not yet know the Omicron variant, but we made sure that we were ready. Today, 
through regulatory authorities that were approved with the passage of Bill C-2, we are announcing our decision to temporarily expand the definition of a lockdown so that these wage and rent support programs can support workers and businesses that see capacity restricted by 50% or more. So what exactly does this mean? It means that if you are an employer who has to reduce the capacity of your main business by 50% or more, you will be eligible for wage and rent subsidy support through the local lockdown program. And we are lowering the revenue decline threshold from 40% to 25%. Eligible employers will receive wage and rent subsidy support from between 25% to up to 75%, depending on how much revenue they have lost. Your organization only needs to demonstrate revenue loss during the current month compared with 2019. Employers will be able to apply for these expanded support programs after the end of each program period in exactly the same way that they received wage and rent subsidy support when those programs were launched last year. For workers, our decision means that if you are working in a region where the provincial or territorial government has introduced capacity restrictions of 50% or more, and if you have lost 50% or more of your income as a direct result of those restrictions, you can qualify for the Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit. This benefit will put $300 a week in your pocket to supplement your lost wages. This proposed expanded eligibility will be effective as of last Sunday, December 19th, 2021, and it will run through to February 12th, 2022. Many parts of the country have already introduced circuit breaker public health restrictions in order to curb the rise in cases of COVID. These expanded federal support measures will ensure that provinces and public health authorities across the country can continue to make the right difficult decisions they need to make to save lives, confident in the knowledge that the federal government will be there to financially support workers and businesses as we finish this fight. Notre gouvernement sait que d'autres entreprises sont encore touchées par la pandémie. Depuis hier, les employeurs admissibles peuvent demander une aide financière par le financement Uh, the government expanding eligibility for its Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit amid the new Omicron-related restrictions, which we are seeing emerge in different parts of the country. Uh, most places adopting a 50% capacity limit on large venues, including in Alberta. And now the World Junior Hockey Championships are dealing with that. The Oilers and Flames are going to have to deal with that. It's happening to NHL teams across the country. Uh, basically, any large venue 
uh, especially but we do know in Alberta, anything over 500 uh, is going to have their capacity limited to 50% or more. So if you work in one of those facilities where this capacity limit has been brought in, you are now eligible for the Canada Worker Lockdown Benefit, which is $300 a week uh, up until May 7th of 2022. However, the expanded eligibility will apply only until February 12th of 2022. So that's the major announcement. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the time of year where we often bring on people to discuss a look back at the year that was and a look to the next year that's on the way. We're going to chat with um, Dr. Lisa Young, who's a political science professor at the University of Calgary, about the year that was in politics. And Dr. Young, uh, it really was quite a year in politics, whether you look at the municipal level, the provincial level, or the federal level for Albertans. It was a wild year politically. It absolutely was. I would say that the provincial uh, level was the most wild, but, uh, you know, it's an open question. You're absolutely right. Let's let's just start at the top and then work our way down. Let's start federally. <laughs> um, taking a look at the federal government, and, uh, of course, we had the federal election and some other issues to deal with, but I think first and foremost for any politician or anybody in the world throughout the course of 2021, of course, it was the pandemic and management of the pandemic. Um, and the Liberal government hasn't taken too many hits with the way they've handled it, but how would you characterize their pandemic management in 2021 and what it did to them in terms of their political mandate? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, the federal government has basically handled the pandemic pretty well. They've had the advantage of being responsible for some areas of pandemic management where it's it's easier to perform well, where you're not going to be blamed for failures by the electorate. So, um, you know, they managed to get uh, vaccine supply going. It was slow at first, yeah. but they, they performed well on that front. And I think that certainly, you know, helped them politically and, and in the election. Um, you know, they were certainly there, um, you know, this year and, and last with uh, the financial supports that were needed that we're likely to see, you know, being extended or reinvented today. Um, so on that front, you know, the, the performance has been quite positive. So given all of that, you know, the fact that they weren't able to turn their minority government into a majority government really does say that they, they've got some political struggles ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, assessing the year in politics for the federal government of Canada, that's what it comes down to. You called an election because you wanted to move from minority to majority territory and didn't. That has to be the overriding, um, you know, final grade for the Liberal government of Canada. You failed trying to get the majority. (laughs) But you didn't really fail. Right, right? because you're still government. You end up on the opposition (laughs) benches. You know, it's it's sort of a draw. They're they're no further ahead. They've got a, you know, a little more time to govern. Um, But certainly they didn't do what they, they set out to do under conditions that really should have been pretty favorable for them. 
Do you think, you know, this mandate, we never know with the minority government, they usually last a couple of years. Uh, is that what we're expecting with this new one? I mean, who knows with the pandemic? I mean, it's good in some ways for a politician and it's bad in some ways because it really does create a lot of uncertainty. But that can be a good thing because the expectations can change, too. Yeah, I mean, I think after this experience, um, the, the Liberal government would not be rushing to call yeah. another election on their own. So that really means that the decision power is in the hands of the opposition parties, you know, some combination of them. And right now, there's no opposition party that is in any kind of shape to uh, uh, trigger an election. So I think that the Liberals are fine to continue governing for two years and, and possibly longer. On the other side of the aisle, uh, of course, it's also a failure if you're the Conservative Party of Canada that you didn't manage to win even a minority government. And there's a lot of questions about Aaron O'Toole. What do they look like going forward? Does, does he last as leader until the next election? Uh, that is a fascinating question. And, you know, certainly some of the uh, stories that are coming out of the caucus that suggest that the caucus is divided, but in a remarkably complicated way. It's not just, you know, social conservatives versus fiscal conservatives or, you know, former reformers versus former progressive conservatives. There, there are all kinds of factions that are, you know, concerned about other issues. There's stories coming out of the caucus about, you know, uh, authoritarian caucus management techniques. So none of this looks like a set of circumstances that uh, is particularly favorable for O'Toole to hang on. That having been said, the Conservatives have had, you know, two leadership contests in a fairly limited period of time. And, you know, the, the idea that you keep going back to the well and see if, you know, next time you'll get the leader that can win um, may not be a successful strategy for them. So I think watching what the Conservative Party does, whether they decide to, you know, rally behind Aaron O'Toole and think about how to become more electorally viable or whether they think that it's just a leadership issue and they, you know, should have another leadership contest will be fascinating to watch. Yeah, and it's a continuous struggle, there's no doubt. And of course, it's playing out at the provincial level as well. I'll ask you to hold on for a minute, Doc. We'll take a quick break and come back and then translate how many of the same battles that the federal Conservatives are facing are being faced by Conservatives here in Alberta too. We'll do that right after this. Taking a look at the year in politics with Dr. Lisa Young, a political science professor at the University of Calgary. And uh, Dr. Young, we talked about the federal situation and, you know, we ended talking about Aaron O'Toole's leadership and how the leader of the federal Conservative Party is under a bit of pressure. And we all know that that translates very well in Alberta, where the leader of the UCP party, Jason Kenney, also under some pressure and has been right throughout 2021. Absolutely. I, I was thinking back today to this time last year when I think we didn't really understand some of the uh, internal issues within the, the UCP caucus. And, you know, hints started coming out um, with the Aloha Gate uh, controversy when, you know, it, it started to be clear that, you know, maybe people inside the caucus weren't listening to the leader, that there were internal caucus management issues. And, and then, you know, Every week, it seems, uh, since then, we've seen more and more evidence of internal dissent in, in 
you know, at, at a magnitude that is really unusual in a Canadian governing political party. Yeah, I mean, this time last year, we were all about to be rocked by which, you know, in reality is not that big of a deal, but it is the Hawaii vacations. That was the big thing. And that's where we started to see the fractures in the caucus really come to light. And it seemed to only spiral since then. Do you think over the course of the year, and we know what happened with the AGM uh, last month, has he managed to put a lid on that fire? Or is that something that's still smoldering and could break out at any time? I think it is absolutely still smoldering. Um, we've got Brian Jean ready to go on his uh, cross-province uh, tour, uh, you know, now that he's been nominated as a, a candidate, and he is going to go and try to rally the troops to ensure that uh, Premier Kenny is not uh, successful in the leadership review. But even if Kenny survives the leadership review, I think that he's not out of the woods because um, the the caucus still is able to push a leader out, I think, under ex- uh, extreme circumstances. And uh, if, if the party doesn't improve in the polls, I, I think what we'll see is that the UCP MLAs face the prospect of going into an election, you know, with a leader with a 22% uh, yeah. approval rating, and, and they'll just say, no, we can't do this. So, um, you know, the challenges for the Premier coming up this spring, I think, are quite significant. Um, he, of course, if he survives the leadership review this spring, then he'll have bought himself a year to head into an, the next election. The polling numbers that you mentioned, the 22% uh, historic lows, um, typically would spell the end of any leader anywhere in the country. Um, is it COVID that brought him down there? I mean, is there other complicating factors? Why did the Premier, who not that long ago had two-thirds of the province firmly backing him and giving him a huge majority now suddenly crater down to 22%. Well, you know, that that is the million-dollar question here. And, uh, you know, if we can imagine a, a world without COVID, right, um, had provincial politics taken place without the, the COVID crisis, you know, I, I do think that the UCP would still be facing, um, you know, some, some troubles, mm-hmm. uh, both internally. Um, you know, the, the merger of the two parties, I think, has, has never really gelled in the way that you would expect. Um, but also, you know, if we look at some of the other items on the UCP's agenda, where they really are, I think, out of line with the views of many Albertans, including people who, who voted for them. Um, so if we think about the uh, social studies curriculum, which has certainly been yes. highly controversial, um, if, if we think about, you know, the issues around parks, around development for coal, you know, those are areas where we see people who often would have voted for the UCP or for, you know, conservative-leaning parties really moving away from the party. And and there's been sort of this, this approach of, you know, not backing down until quite recently on these kinds of issues, just pushing ahead. And I think even without COVID, this would have meant that, you know, we would have seen maybe the UCP and the NDP neck and neck in the polls. Mm-hmm. But... COVID has certainly made uh, a profound difference. Um, I, I think that, you know, the loss of trust that we've seen um, is, in government is uh, is carrying over. So now there's a skepticism. If, if we can't trust the provincial government to manage the COVID situation, then we need to examine with 
skepticism, everything else that they're trying to do. And so I think that, you know, this has, has really been the, the critical factor in this quite remarkable drop in the polls. Yeah, it really is historic. Um, the other question is, as we talked about with the internal pull and push that takes place in conservative parties, as we're seeing federally, and now we're talking about provincially, um, the Brian Jean by-election, which I think he's very likely going to win uh, coming up in the next month or so here, two months, I guess. Um, does that further fracture the party? Does that give, um, you know, and he's, his stated goal, Dr. Young, as you know, he only has one plank in his platform, and that's to get rid of Jason Kenney as leader of the UCP party. He wants that job. Um, does that further that divide when the Premier's trying so hard to tie everything together and keep everybody in the same big tent, uh, does he just throw the doors wide open and now we've got people retreating to opposite sides of the same party? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've seen over the past year is that at times when we've really needed the provincial government to be sharply focused on the the challenges that are uh, posed by COVID, Instead, we've seen um, a lot of attention on internal party issues, right? Um, and that's taken up as much bandwidth as, as managing the crisis. And so having Brian Jean entering into the caucus, rallying the troops, you know, running against the premier, um, we're once again going to see, you know, the government with its attention divided, um, you know, airing its dirty laundry in public in, in many ways. Um, you know, I, I think that that the Premier may end up regretting his decision to sign uh, Mr. Dean's nomination papers mm-hmm. and, and allow him to run under the party banner. On the other side of the aisle in the legislature, it's pretty much a dream position to be in if you're opposition, where you see um, the governing party just one day after another causing themselves problems and watching their approval ratings plummet. Um, it's pretty simple to be opposition in Alberta right now, isn't it? Well, yes, I, I think, you know, Rachel Notley has uh, certainly benefited from uh, the the troubles of the UCP government. I think the challenge for her, and this becomes more and more of a challenge as we get closer to the provincial election, is to, you know, look not like an opposition leader, but a premier in waiting. These are the things that my government would do. This is the plan that we have to move the province beyond the the difficult situation that that we found ourselves in. And, And so she needs to, you know, walk that line between criticism and positioning herself as the next premier um, quite carefully, I think. Thomas Dang, this announcement that came up yesterday, I'm having a hard time trying to uh, to figure out exactly what went on there because he's sort of saying, yeah, I told him that I did this, but RCMP don't execute search warrants for people that told them what they... I mean, uh, uh, do you fully understand? Is this a serious situation for the NDP? I don't understand. Yeah, okay. um, th- there are some missing pieces. Um, you know, what I will say is that I, I think that uh, Rachel Notley dealt with it well in saying, look, we don't know, but we've asked him to step out of caucus just to be on, you know, the, the right side of things, right? Um, yeah. So I think she handled it as well as she could. And, 
you know, that kind of swift action, if there is an issue here, I think will will insulate the NDP a bit. Yeah, and, we, and again, we're not even sure what the issue might be, but we'll find out soon exactly. enough for sure. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to 2022, of course, it's going to be another crazy year, especially provincially, as we said, Brian Jean, leadership review, getting ready for an election next spring. Uh, it, it's just going to continue day after day with more wild political news, I would think, right? Are you expecting a crazy 2022? Absolutely. I mean, I think just the internal politics of the UCP is going to be an absolutely fascinating thing to watch. Yeah. Excellent. And Dr. Young, we will check in with you throughout the year. Um, in the meantime, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. All the best. And to you too. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Lisa Young, who is a political science professor at the University of Calgary, a frequent guest here. couple more days until we're into the Christmas break. Whatever that's going to look like, as everything is getting flipped upside down again for all of us. Perhaps uh, watching this more closely than anybody else is businesses in our country which are once again feeling the impact in certain parts of the country already. Watching it closely here in Alberta. Uh, it's the on-again, off-again cycle that they've been dealing with for so long. To get some insight into how things are going, we're going to chat with Dan Kelly, who is President and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Dan, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Good to be with you. What is it like out there right now as you take a look at what's going on for independent business across the country? I mean, this is absolutely the last thing they wanted to have happen, obviously. Oh, gosh, it is absolutely brutal, and the timing just couldn't be worse. Uh, businesses are counting on these these critical weeks around Christmas and New Year's to make some money to help them get through the lean months that, that naturally follow in January, February, and March. Uh, this is when businesses make all of their income in, in many sectors, especially hospitality, tourism, retail. And and now much of that snatched away through some of the capacity restrictions and, and, and even even to businesses like many in Alberta that haven't been subject to capacity yeah. restrictions, just the natural fear over over Omicron is causing thousands to stay home. Uh, they're listening to public health officials and the warnings, and, and they're staying home in great numbers, and that alone is killing so many businesses. Dan, how much tougher is it because it looked like we were actually going to get to the all-important holiday season in good shape? Uh, not that You go back even just a month ago. Dan, things were looking pretty good. Things were starting to roll again. People were had all kinds of trips booked. People were going to hockey games. I mean, you name it. It looked like we were on the road to recovery. And then all of a sudden, boom, this happens. How much tougher does that make it for a business just to, to absorb that and to plan for something like that? Well, it is it is so, so hard. And, and you know, part of this, of course, is the mental game too, right? I mean, just that little night light at the end of the tunnel being snuffed out is yet again... Uh, causing businesses to wonder about their futures, uh, the, the the reserves that businesses need to build up in the in in positive times to help them through the naturally leaner times. That now is uh, is a big question mark. And unlike earlier waves, say in March of 2020, the businesses are already desperately weakened after almost two years of restrictions and and people staying at home. So so. You know, the average small firm across Canada has taken on $170,000 in new COVID-related debt just to get through the earlier waves of the pandemic. Right. Now, 
they have those bills to pay. Uh, they've deferred rent. They've borrowed against their home. They've borrowed money from friends and family or, or taken out of retirement savings to try to keep their business afloat. But they can't do that forever. And, you know, we're going to have a difficult choice to make as Canadians. At some stage, it may not be today, but at some stage we're going to have to ask, uh, can we afford to keep doing this? Um, because we're either going to have to make the decision to allow businesses to be reunited with their customers and try to serve them, or we're going to have to dig deep and, and provide buckets and buckets of money to try to help businesses make it through until all the restrictions can be lifted. But, but we're in this perpetual purgatory, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it, you know, it's, it has a huge, huge consequence. Just taking a look at what was announced by the federal government this morning, um, the local lockdown program, they're going to expand that. It says it will include any employers that are subject to restrictions that cap their capacity at 50% or more. Uh, Employers that are eligible will receive wage and rent subsidies that can range from 25% to a max of 75%, depending on revenue lost as a result of the capacity limits. So it seems like that's very almost surgical, Dan, like if you're not in one of these large venues where a capacity limit is what's affecting your business, you're out of luck on this one. And like you say, there's a lot of other factors. It, there sure is. And, and look, this is good news. There are many provinces that put in place a 50% capacity yep. restriction uh, on, on also all sorts of businesses, including in some provinces on retailers. Uh, and those businesses now will not have to be in full lockdown in order to get some of the a more generous subsidy stream access. Uh, but as you said, in Alberta, that's taking some different measures. Um, those businesses are, are um, many of those businesses are not going to qualify for this. And we're going to have to continue to lobby the federal government to open up the program to more, uh, to include many businesses that have just seen a natural decline in their sales as a result of Omicron fears. That isn't covered by this program, and, and that's one of the major gaps that, that, that we're going to be sharing with the Deputy Prime Minister. But just Monday, I pushed her uh, <laughs> over the phone uh, to, to make some changes uh, to, to the programs because there's so many businesses we're not qualifying. I asked her to, to expand the scope of the program to include those with capacity restrictions to lower the threshold right now. The only businesses that qualify for the, the wage and rent supports are those with, if you're in a restaurant, you have to have a 40% reduction in your sales or more. Okay. If you're a retailer, you have to have a 50% reduction in your sales or more. Well, many of these businesses certainly are hit hard, but, but maybe not by that amount, and they'll qualify for zero. That's what needs to change. Well, is there any provision, because I mean, I was reading a list here, uh, you know, taking a look at what's going on in uh, Newfoundland, uh, BC, bars cinemas, movie theaters, all of these uh, gyms um, in, in some of these places are, are being closed down. So you're right, it's not just the restaurants or bars or large venues. It looks like we're getting, in some parts of the country anyway, back to that area where it's it's having a much broader effect than that. Oh, yeah. No, look, Alberta's restrictions are far lighter. BC, which has had lighter restrictions through most of the pandemic, essentially is locked down a yeah. ton of sectors. Yeah. Quebec, the rumor is that they'll move to a full lockdown including full retail lockdown today. Uh, so, gosh, we're getting into... And, and so, uh, are Alberta's restrictions the end? Probably not. We, uh, we're we going to see more restrictions mounting in Canada. And as a result, many businesses, whatever little glimmer of hope they saw, will be snuffed out. This is what we have to guard against. It's 
it's deeply, deeply troubling where we are right now. We need to see both the fe- the federal government has made some changes. They need to make more. But provincial governments also have to st- uh, step up with some additional rounds of, of small business support uh, if we want these businesses to survive. And I will add, look, uh, you know, no business wants to take government money. This is awful. The business subsidies are stupid. They make no sense. But in these extraordinary times where governments are either restricting uh, people from visiting these businesses or public health officials are creating fear and panic that mm-hmm. are essentially accomplishing the same end, we have to make the choice between supporting the businesses or seeing them close forever. Uh, and I'm hoping that we provide them with some temporary supports until the restrictions can be lifted. I agree with you 100%, Dan. And the other thing I think we have to mention here is the fact that, okay, so Alberta is in a place right now where they're not seeing the lockdowns that we're seeing in our neighboring province of BC, and we're seeing in Manitoba and Newfoundland, things like that. But it's looming in the background, right? That's always the thing. If you're one of these businesses and you're saying, Quebec, the rumor is later today they're going to be shut down. You can't run a business when you don't know if you're going to be allowed to operate tomorrow, let alone a month from now. I mean, you've got it, especially if you're in a restaurant with perishables, you need some stability in some respect, be it from the government uh, in terms of this is what's going to happen or financial supports, don't you? Yes. No, there's no question. We we need to get a better lay of the land, a better track record. We need to know when some of these restrictions may be lifted. Uh, this is real. Uh, business owners are making decisions in real time as to how many more days they can continue to see to operate their business. Right. A third of a third of businesses are losing money every day that they are open. You might ask, why on earth would you do that? Well, you're doing that hoping for a brighter day. But if you've been hoping for that for two years, and that brighter day doesn't isn't happening, and you're just mounting debt that you're you're gonna, that's going to choke you and perhaps cause you to lose your home. I mean, you can't do that forever. No, no, you're absolutely right. Dan, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Happy to be with you. Bye-bye. That's Dan Kelly, who is president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And uh, yeah, um, like he said, here in Alberta, at this point in time, we're certainly in a far better position uh, than uh, British Columbia or Manitoba, uh, Newfoundland bringing in a bunch of new restrictions. As Dan said, there's rumors it's going to happen in Quebec, Ontario, also bringing in some new restrictions. But are we? is anybody here sitting and thinking, oh, well, this is it? This is what we'll see for restrictions in Alberta? Or are you thinking, well, that's it for now. But there's a good chance that if things continue the way that they're going, things may change by next Monday. Next Tuesday, this time next week, who knows, right? And that uncertainty, I think, is what's making us all absolutely nuts. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.